Welcome to A Virtual View, a telehealth podcast brought to you by the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. Today, I'm joined by Sho Chow, one of the founders of Moving Analytics. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me here. You're coming to us live from LA. Yeah, LA area. Super hot. I appreciate you taking the time to be here, at least virtually. It's of hot course. here too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's summertime. I heard it's All like over. global nowadays. Every place <laughs> is hot. So could you tell me a little about yourself? My name is Shuo Chao, CTO co-founder of Moving Analytics. For me, early days, I grew up in Beijing, China. I did my high school, college there. And during my college, I actually had a chance to exchange for an exchange program, I exchanged to India, where I attended a school called IIT um, and the top school in India. And I spent there for a year and... Uh, that's where actually I met Harsh, which is my co-founder. At that time, he already graduated from IIT Madras. I met him through a professor where we were working on the same project. And uh, I got introduced to Harsh and we talked. And then after that exchange program, I went back to China, worked for half a year as an Android developer. And then mm-hmm. I applied school at U- in the U.S., which is, I got admitted to USC, University of Southern California. I came here and uh, I think it's a coincidence. Actually, Harsh is also in the same school. We met oh. again. And, you know, and uh, we start at that time, Harsh and Ade already started the company. And uh, I basically, when I come to U.S., I'm also interested. So we just joined forces and worked on the same company together. Yeah. And then when I come to the U.S., I did my master at the University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I finished the school, I actually already worked with them together. And after uh, the school, uh, and I officially joined the Very cool. I usually talk to folks who were healthcare professionals first, and then they moved into a telehealth or technology sort of role after that. But you're opposite, right? You were more into software first. Yeah, that's actually an interesting journey for me. Uh, a lot of things happened in my life is unexpected. As I told you, like I met Harsh in India and somehow I met him again in the US. And then we <laughs> work on world. the same country. Yeah, small world. And with, I don't have a healthcare background. I was like, doing engineering study, all stuff and enjoying it. And actually our company also not healthcare focused at the beginning also. <laughs> and then at the beginning, we were trying to build activity tracking app with like step mm-hmm. counter. Also, you know, if you sit too long, we'll give you a reminder, tell like, you to do stand up and do some exercise, things like that. Those kind of things, we, that the things we are normally trying to build, but we work on that for a couple of uh, uh, months and we thought that's not a great uh, direction we should go. And, uh, there's not a lot of financial gain of a good business model there. And we are already mm-hmm. late in the market at that time. There's a pretty good apps already on the market, RankKeeper or whatever. There's so many already competition in the market. And then it's also a coincidence. I think my co-founder day went for a conference where he met a doctor and introduced this idea. Why don't we use similar exercise tracking app for cardiac rehabilitation that could be doing similar thing we were doing, monitor activity. Uh, at the same time, we are potentially save people's life, which is really great. Then we thought that's really good idea and it's a great business model as well. And pivoted and get on the track of healthcare. Uh, actually, the three of us, all the three co-founders, don't have any uh, healthcare background to begin with. We are lucky to be, be able to work with the leading healthcare professionals in cardiac rehabilitation. We are so blessed and uh, we get introduced to them in the early days and they are still with us. And they basically are 
guidance. They are our guide to navigate all the Hyoscar world. It's always nice when you can find sort of an avenue that's like financially profitable, but also is good for people, like you said, like saving lives and things. Moving analytics, you guys are a remote cardiac rehab program, right? Yes. Compared to traditional patients have to travel half hour or two hour to go to the rehab center three, three, five times a week, things like that is like crazy. They have to work. They have to, a lot of things happening in their life. They, mm-hmm. It's hard for them to drive that far away and attend those sessions. And now with home-based cardiac rehabilitation, this lower the barrier uh, for them to a really large degree. And they can easily just attend those sessions. Yeah, that's one of the great things about technology and telehealth. It just lowers those barriers to entry. So what exactly does your program entail? What kind of services does it provide? Right now, actually, we literally provide two things. We provide our solution as a software, is it by self, and the hospital or the provider can just buy our software lessons to manage their patients uh, on their own. Uh, at the same time, actually, we have another service where we're providing the service, not as the software. We also provide the service to manage all the, uh, and the guide the patient through through the uh, rehabilitation journey. We do both. And uh, talking about the functionality inside our you know program, there's a lot. We cover vital signs tracking so that patients be able to track their uh, weights, blood pressure, and report those progress to their uh, care manager. <laughs> they will be able to also have a chat with their care manager, a video call with their manager, and they can have a lot of reading material as well. So then they can learn a lot of things on their own. At the same time, we also have regular uh, questionnaires sent over to patients to evaluate and assess their status of health, things like that. So that we and the care team basically have a better understanding of where are the, as far as the recovery progress going. So yeah, that's those components are super important and the patient basically be able to have care instead of during the time in the hospital. Now they be able to access care 24 mm-hmm. seven, even other features that we're currently over. Gotcha. Sounds like there's a lot of data collection going on all throughout this. Yeah, there's tons of data and there's, we usually collecting the data, uh, sorry about that. So we usually collect the data through two different channels. The first one is we collect the data directly from the hardware. We, we send the patients with a package of hardwares we usually use that mm-hmm. including weighing scale, blood pressure monitor and the smart activity tracking tracker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those stuff. And for the bathroom reminder and, and the waiting skill, all the data is transferred directly to the cloud without any Bluetooth connection, Wi-Fi setup. It's lower the barrier for the patient hugely. As long as you step on, uh, step on the waiting skill, the data after the reading shows up, the data is transferred to our cloud directly. No setup, transmission, whatever. So it's just through 3G network. So it's really easy for us to collecting the data through this hardware. Another channel we collecting data is basically user feedback. From the app, we build a really user-friendly interface, especially mm-hmm. for the outer people. We make our UI really easy to understand. Also, the phone are really large so that they can easily read it, things like that. Mm-hmm. And they can report any vital signs they recorded or they witnessed or any symptom they felt and report to their doctor directly from the app with some easy use UI. So you mentioned that older people are engaging with these technologies a lot. Is that a big part of the population that you're serving with this, like aging populations? 
Exactly. That's where a lot of cardiac disease happen with those demographics right. populations. But actually, one interesting, I, I don't know how I say it, it's good or bad. I, I think it's actually a bad uh, trending right now is we saw the population actually getting cardiac disease. The population are getting younger and younger. I, I don't think really? that's a good sign. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that's crazy. People in their yeah. 30s <laughs> get a heart attack. They're hard to believe. But and oh, this really happened with some of the patients and they come for doing cardiac rehabilitation, things like that, which is shocking, but mm -hmm. seems like happening. Yeah, I'm about to hit my 30s. <laughs> I'm not ready to have a <laughs> cardiac monitoring program going on. But if you're working primarily with these older populations, I'm sure that there's challenges related to just technology literacy, because not to generalize too much, but I know that there is just a lower like level of familiarity with technology among older populations, right? Yeah, there's some hardship. That's why I mentioned when we um, design the user experience, we try to make the experience as easy as possible in the sense of if the user need to complete some work in the app, instead of they have to click twice, can we design just, they just click once. Mm -hmm. The fewer click they have to do, click or swipe, uh, the fewer thing action they have to take, the better user experience are. And that's why also we make our hardware without any third-party connection like Bluetooth, mm -hmm. Wi-Fi. As long as the patient get the device, they put it on the floor of the weighing scale and they stab mm -hmm. on it, the data is a transfer, no setup, app, whatever. So that's something we always go for, just minimize the stab the patient has to take so that mm -hmm. they have a better experience and also adherence to the program as well. Right, because you can have the best technology in the world, but with this kind of thing, if your patients don't know how to use it, then it's an obvious issue. It's not going to be useful. <laughs> True. That's why we also include some onboarding session. Just our care manager have to reach out to the patient just at least for the first couple of sessions to guide the patient through the journey and make sure they understand what needs to be happening and what they're supposed to, what they can expect, things like that. So when we talk about cardiac rehab, what types of conditions are we talking about? Is this primarily for people who have recently had heart attacks or is it more related to heart disease and things? Heart attack and uh, some other heart disease as well. Most of the condition we are treating is related to CAD, COPD mm. kind of condition. And we also try to get into heart failure as mm. well. Different conditions have different criteria and different treatment plans. Before we get into any further different conditions, we just trying to be careful and make sure we have the, we have collected all the special requirements and treatments and uh, get the consent from the hospital and patient before we move on, things like that. And definitely we want to expand the program to more and more population, different con mm -hmm. uh, conditions. Sounds like it's a really collaborative effort with a lot of different moving parts and people involved. Sure. It's in the U.S., there's uh, the system, there's a payer, there's provider, and there's a third party company like us. And, and doctors are motivated to help their patients uh, and uh, provide the best care, not just in the hospital, also home so that their, their patients get covered and get the best care. Uh, also for the parents, they want, they, they want the patient to be healthier so that they can also financially save money. Uh, and uh, yeah, like for us, definitely it's a program that we can save people's lives and have, at the same time, it's a good business model. It's really just a workout. Yeah, that's a sweet spot there. 
But healthcare and healthcare in the U.S. in particular is very reactive. Like we talk about how we're reacting to symptoms of illness and not really promoting wellness. So I'm always excited about the concept of prevention. And I think prevention and technologies related to it are really promising in developing health and just healthcare. Have you guys done any work related to prevention at all? For sure. I think that's where we are heading to and where the whole industry is more and more shifting to. And the one good, I know like in America, healthcare is gigantic and slow to shift, to focus, things like that. But the good side, I think more and more different healthcare insurance companies are shifting the focus to more value-based care. And when I say value-based care means the insurance company and the hospitals, providers, those, they try to more and more focus on reducing the patients to come back to the hospital. So that, for example, a cardiac surgery, it, they want, if the patient being, be part of a cardiac surgery, they supposed to be treated well and uh, not come back in a short time. If the patient come back in a short time, that means there's probably something wrong with the surgery or the hospital, the provider didn't do a good job. So value-based care basically saying, hey, if the patient come back to the hospital after surgery in six months, then you're not going to get reimbursement. So that basically triggered the shift that uh, the hospital, the provider are going to be worried. Oh, we definitely want to do a good job so that the patient doesn't come back in six months. And that's basically give them more motivation to, you know, do better in their surgery and also potentially provide home care so that have extended care so that they don't come back to the hospital and get, get the, the heart attack again and get back to the hospital. Uh, and if they don't get in the hospital in six months, then they get a reimbursement. So that's basically, as I said, another trigger for them, another reason for them to push harder to do that. And that's why telehealth is getting more popular because 24-7 coverage. And also for the government point of view, it's saving taxpayer money, other insurance money uh, as well to push to value-based care. And the, that being said, basically that's going one step further, basically that become prevention. Instead of after the disease, you want home care. Why don't we do prevention? There's no surgery happening in the first place, right? So I, I, there's, uh, you know, I know a lot of insurance companies start putting out policy on that side as well. And also different third party trying to sell that solution to hospitals and payers. And I think that's going to be a trend. At this moment, we are not, that's not part of our offering yet, but we're definitely interested to push something like that out and to prevent patients to get into hospital, to get, prevent them from getting heart, heart attack, or at least delay that time as much as possible instead of have to do the rehabilitation afterwards. No, that's awesome. And I'm sure from a patient perspective, uh, Wanting to avoid the hospital, too, is sure. a reason to engage with these all these emerging technologies. Because mm -hmm. if you can go and, I don't know, take a medicine or do a an exercise regimen or something and avoid having a heart attack, I'm certain that's something that a lot of people would be interested in. So we talked earlier about how cardiovascular diseases are the leading cause of death in the United States. So telehealth and emerging technologies, do you think that's the key to changing that? I think so. Just think about if a patient talking about care, how much time they can spend in the hospital versus how much time they spend at home. Most of the time they are spending at home. And with telehealth, as I said, they get 
potentially 24-7 coverage if needed to be. And, and also that's where the prevention and also after surgery, the re rehabilitation happens, right? Both before and after. And those are the cr crit critical time moments and the things that the hospital hard, in the hospital ha setting, hard to intervene. But with care intervention program or rehabilitation program, those kind of uh, time being covered. And I'm talking about like telehealth in general, right? That basically, just talking about your prevention, right? If a patient have some uh, heart rate monitoring device that can monitor the heart rate 24-7 or even ECG, right now I know there's some portable device you can just put on your chest and monitor your ECG. That's something great in, in innovation. And, uh, and those data can be sent over to a doctor regularly reviewed and there are some emergencies happens. There's alerts filed right away to their family members. Like, even, and that's basically potentially save a lot of people's life. And the program is like, like us to do more like a rehabilitation or even prevention and to guide the patient to tell them what's a good practice they should follow to have a better heart, to have a better mental health, things like that's going to tremendously contribute their health in the long run. Yeah, I think that's a really promising way that things could go in the future. Aside from that, what do you think the future of telehealth looks like in this space? I think the future uh, is super promising. And there's different things I think are going to happen that can tremendously change the landscape. I think the first of all, I think right now, a lot of third party companies like us, we are doing treatment on one condition and the patient probably all their family members have different third party telehealth app installed on their app and different app collecting repeated data and uh, also isolated between each other that they only know the data they know that they collected. But I think in the, potentially in a short term, there are going to be a lot of data exchange in an network where different companies be able to retrieve other apps data that collected by other provider or app, third-party app. And also at the same time, they can share their data anonymously, of course, to the network. So other third-party can use that or even the hospital can use that data so that every single individual app be able to have the whole scope of different data being collected about this patient so that the doctor and the, even the third-party app be able to provide a much better guidance for the patient because they just have better more source of data coming from different angle. Uh, and, and it's beneficial for all the companies because the data is shared. Any other company be able to, to get that data as well. Of course, you also have to share your own data. But I think that's going to happen. And ultimately, it's just basically helping the patients and uh, rendering a better care. And uh, I think that's potentially something happening really soon. And the uh, second thing I think is more like hardware innovation. With, as I said, there is ECG monitoring on your chest potentially monitor your ECG graph all the time, 20, uh, continuously, that's something amazing. Uh, uh, also, there's a trend that coming, be able to implant some chip under your skin. Instead, you have to worry all the activity mm. tracker, uh, Apple Watch, whatever, <laughs> on your wrist, and you forgot to charge the other day, then you shut down, you don't have the Apple Watch for a day, right? So, you know, if you implant some chip, you know, under your skin, that's, it's always better. Yeah. <laughs> That's some uh, amazing innovation that potentially coming on. And uh, you basically track your different vital signs, heart rate, blood pressure all the time. That's just amazing. 
And they're potentially good innovation with virtual reality. That mm. that's something promising as well. Instead, you have to just do a texting to a doctor. Now <laughs> you have video call that coming soon. I guess there's a virtual reality that, you know, potentially more like 3D world. You can interact with the doctor or the interact with the doctor can easily guide you through a physical therapy through a virtual reality. That's probably just something interesting to see coming. No, that's fascinating. And I really like that you touched on the concept of interoperability of different systems. Because I think that is something that's going to be vital going forward, because just when you have all these different third parties and all these different apps and things, if they can't talk to each other, then we've got all these different pieces of a full picture of someone's health. But until you put them all together, you can't have that full idea of how someone is actually doing. For sure. I'm looking forward to that day to come soon. Yeah. So one more thing I wanted to ask about. So we talked a lot about how there are all these different third parties now that are very specialized on one sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So do you think that sort of specialization, is that leading to increased innovation in different aspects of health? Uh, I think at least uh, at the early telehealth, no, I still the early stage of telehealth, I, I would say. It, it's good that uh, different companies focus on different things because as they are specialized in that domain, they can think through what kind of Actually, this is a totally new setting at home, right? So uh, as you specialize in this kind of category, you think about really deep what the user really need for this kind of condition. And uh, you come up with the idea hard to come up with a generic solution. You basically come up with the innovation that for this kind of solution. Uh, and uh, definitely need those kind of people to spend those hours to think about that. And, uh, and to make sure the best or uh, better solution for this condition of patients can be invented. But I think going forward, maybe there are going to be merge happening or different individual companies like uh, for different condition, you know, like us potentially just expand to other conditions. I, I, I'm like seeing that potentially happen. But I mean, at, at that time, I think it's already that state because individual different specialized condition the innovation already like being explored uh, more or less. And then that probably triggered a time that, you know, hey, they're probably just a merger of different condition company and they, or even just collaboration that probably happening along with the data exchange, things like that. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think we had a fantastic conversation about what you do and what telehealth might look like in the near future. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for your time as well. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thank you for listening to A Virtual View. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you would like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Do you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss? If so, contact us at info at umtrc.org or through the form found in the show notes. Also, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Tristan Yoder. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Service Administration, also known as HRSA. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under HRSA's Office of the Administrator and the Office for the Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast are those of the UMTRC and should not be construed as the official policy of or the position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.